Amen. Good morning, church. It's good to see you this morning. If you're new here, if it's your first time worshiping with us, we're so pumped that you're here. Uh, we actually have a gift that we'd love to give you today in the back of the seat in front of you. Um, is what we call our Connect card. If you'll just take that, fill it out with as much info as you feel comfortable with. Drop it by Next Steps, which is the, the, the folks that will be standing in the lobby behind the, the counters there. Um, they'll hook you up with some information about our church and also give you your very own Lindsay Lanny's T-shirt. Um, so you can wear it to lunch so you don't get anything on the clothes you have here. Okay, That's why we provide those. They're just an apron. Uh, but no, we are thankful that you're here. Uh, this morning we're kicking off a new series uh, called The Book. So go on and turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. That's where we'll be here shortly. Um, it's going to be about God's Word. Uh, this whole series, as Patrick said in his prayer, and uh, God's Word is an incredible thing that we often take for granted in our daily lives. Um, and I believe it's a lot of that is because we have, I have so many copies. Uh, if you only have one copy, that's that's cool. Like, I just over the years, I've been, I've been a Christian for 27 years now. And so, like, I've collected a lot of Bibles over the years. And people give Bibles to me. Um, and I buy Bibles uh, by different translations so I can read. But anyway, I also have a physical copy. I mean, a have physical copies. I also have a digital copy. Any translation known to man is held within this little creepy phone right here, right? We have digital, we have physical. But something happens when we when we when we have such access to something is that we begin to take it for granted. And I believe where access increases, um, uh, the the interest oftentimes decreases. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, in Birmingham and in Tuscaloosa, uh, but we'll talk about Birmingham, um, is a place where men from this area, uh, not just men, but men and women, but mostly men that I knew, used to take pilgrimages. And that is to Dreamland. You guys remember? Like, that, like if you were in North Alabama, like 70% chance you took a yearly trip to Dreamland in Birmingham. That, the church I grew up in, that was the men's, like twice a year, we would go down and drive down to Birmingham to eat ribs at Dreamland. And now we have one in Huntsville. And I've eaten there three times. Like, I don't know. Right? Like, and I heard the argument somebody yelled at from the crowd in the first service. It's not the same. It may not be. I don't know. But what I do know is that um, where an increase in accessibility comes, oftentimes an increase in interest, right? Supply and demand. If, you want to think, if you're a economist, all right? Um, but I want to I want to pose to you something that's kind of hard for us to think about, but hopefully you realize is that this is a pretty new invention here. Not the words of it, but this mode. Like throughout most of Christian history, people haven't had a bound copy of the Bible to read. Um, in the earliest church, uh, they would have had maybe two, maybe three scrolls of the Old Testament, not the whole Old Testament, two to three books of the Old Testament on scrolls. And then they might have had a few copies of Paul's letters. Now, do you not think that the interest where accessibility is low, the interest would have been high? Like you didn't have a copy of, you didn't have 14 copies of the Bible at your home. You had, you had to come to church to hear the scriptures read. This is what, throughout most of Christian history, Christians have dealt with. It's, it's a relatively new thing that we hold in our hands. 
So I know we spent about a month talking about God's Word in our Rhythm series back last month, but um, I think it's important for us to talk about four key attributes. And so you see them on the screen right here. You see them on the poster in the lobby. The book, uh, talking about the Bible, is needed, it's enough, it's understandable, and it's final. And those will be the four terms we're going to look at over the next four weeks, okay? Um, ballpark it, which one we're starting with? Needed. Y'all know. Y'all got it. All right, the first one. All right, so that's where we're going to be today, uh, looking at why we so desperately need God's Word as human beings on the earth. All right, so let's go. Let's dive in. Um, Romans 1, beginning in verse 18. It starts off in a real chipper way. For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and unrighteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Since what can be known about God is evident among them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. For though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Let's pray. God, we thank you uh, that we have your word before us, God. Um, and I pray that uh, through this series, God, as we talk about these four key attributes of God's word, I pray that, um, God, more so than ever, your word comes alive to us, God, and you renew a passion in our hearts for it. And God, I pray that you give us wisdom today to understand this passage of Scripture and a few others that we're going to look at. And God, we ask today that you'd be with us and that you would teach us to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Romans 1, 18 through 23 has got to be one of the most depressing passages in the whole Bible. Uh, like it's not any good news. Like I didn't read anything that was but ah, something good. It's just... The, the, it just goes away. And so, but there's something going on here that we can miss in the midst of this. There's, there's a, there is actually is something that should bring joy to our hearts in the midst of this. Uh, something foundational. And that is the fact that we can know God. We can know God. Look at verse 18. Uh, For God's wrath is revealed from heaven against all godlessness and righteousness of people who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Continuing to verse eight, verse 19. Since what can be known about God is evident among them, because God has shown it to them. Do you see this? There are things that even those who are unrighteous, even those who, who, who don't come to church, even those who don't have a Bible in front of them, those who don't know a Christian, there are things that these people can know about God. And the most important thing that you recognize, the way that they can do that is because God has chosen to show it to them. So if you're a note taker, this is number one. God has revealed himself to man. So as you read the Bible, there are a lot of attributes of God. We've got God's holiness, his righteousness, his, uh, his uh, mercifulness, his graciousness. Tons of attributes we could talk about. But I want to just mention three quickly uh, that um, create a gap between us and God. Okay, and that, these are these right here. Um, he's invisible. Okay. Um, he's spiritual. And he's transcendent. All right, just those three attributes we'll just take a look at um, just quickly. 
These three things put God in such a place that humans would never and could never know that he existed. Okay, listen to this. Because God is invisible, we can't see him with our eyes. Because God is spiritual, he's a total different substance from us. Like, we don't understand spiritual things. We are physical, we are flesh. We cannot understand spiritual things. And because God is transcendent, that means he's on a total different wavelength. Intellectually, his presence is, is, is just totally above us in every single way. And with those three things, humans would be left wandering the earth with no purpose and no ideas that God even existed. Listen, church, but God chose to make himself known. And I know it's hard for us to wrestle with that because it's a little bit of a philosophical idea. But if God had not chose to make himself known at all, we wouldn't know him. We would have just been here. Praise God that he didn't leave us that way. He revealed himself to us in certain ways. And so um, let's look at some of, uh, at least two of those ways today, how he's done that. Number two is this. God is revealed through creation. Again, this is a truth that we take for granted, but let's, let's look back at the scripture, Romans one twenty. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made. As a result, people are without excuse. Now, we all recognize that creation reveals there's a God. I think if, if, you've, if you're a Christian especially, you recognize that. But have you ever thought about the fact that it didn't have to be that way? Like, think about that. God could have created everything in such a way to hide himself. But he chose not to. He chose to, through creation, actually show the world that he existed. Psalm 19, 1 and 2 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God. The expanse proclaims the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour out speech. The heavens and the expanse, they pour out speech. Night after night, they communicate knowledge. Again, this is by God's choice that he's making himself known to us. Have you witnessed this to be yourself? Staring up at a starry night? Goodness. That's a lot of stars. How'd they get there? What started all this? Look at a tree. Big old tree. Picture your great-great-granddaddy swinging in that tree, and it's still in your yard today. Or something weird. Right? Like, how, why is it so old? How does it exist? Like, what, why is it so complex? Why is DNA so complex? Why are, is the expanse of the universe seem so far? Like, all of these things should be questions that, are, that, that, that should drive us to think there must be someone behind this. But be reminded, those are not a normal thought. You only have that thought because God wanted you to have that thought. And I know, again... Wrestle with that. God wanted to reveal himself through creation. We wonder if there is a God when we look around at everything, and we do that because he put that question in our hearts. And so, this is what we would call general or natural revelation. General meaning it's for everybody. If you can look up, it's for you. This is the way God has revealed himself. It's general or it's natural, meaning through the natural world. 
But this is the ability of humans to come to the conclusion or at least have an idea that there must be someone or something that has sculpted this wonderful world. However, that's what Romans 20 is talking about, Romans 19, 1 through 2. However, Romans 1 gives us kind of some sad news about that. The outcome of this revelation is this. For they, though they knew God through creation, they did not glorify him as God or show gratitude. Instead, their thinking became worthless, and their senseless hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Do you see this? Though they had the revelation from creation, for, throughout, throughout the, the history of man, we've been able to look around and see that there must be a God. But because of sin... Because sin clouds our hearts and minds. Instead of looking around and seeing creation and being drawn to God, our sin causes us to do something else with that knowledge. This is the birth of every religion known to man in the world. People look around and go, there must be something. The sun, ha, huh, let's worship that. Or the moon, or the stars, or a cow, or whatever. Like we, we, we were trying to find answers. Our sin has so clouded our minds that we can't. That's what it's talking about. Claiming to be wise. Uh, instead, their thinking became worthless. Their senseless hearts were darkened. And we exchanged the glory of God for images resembling mortal man. Birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. Any effort, because of sin, any effort to submit to God or lean into him because of natural revelation leads to a misrepresentation of who he is. When human beings try to make sense of God through creation, our sinfulness forces us to butcher the whole idea. We mess it all up. It's exactly what we see when they exchange the glory of the immortal God for these other images. That's why we have entire cultures that are worshiping parts of creation. They're worshiping people. They're worshiping animals. They're worshiping the sun, the moon, or the stars. As I told the first service, I read this week that there's a culture that actually, it's not something that's naturally in creation, uh, but there's, cult, there's a whole culture I read about that worships paper. Have you all heard of this culture? There's a whole culture that worships paper. I want to tell you about it. They've seen the glory of God. That's what the scripture says. But they've twisted his glory to become about their own glory. They believe God wants them to be happy. That's what God wants. He wants them to be happy. They believe that they can appease this holy God, by going to their temple once or twice a week. And because of that, God will give them everything they dream of. And the greatest, most righteous, most awesome act of God's grace is paper. Little, small, rectangular, green pieces of paper that they call money. Do you see this, church? We don't have to go to sub-Saharan Africa to see people exchanging the glory of God for something else. It's in our culture too. It's here. We're in the midst of a culture that does it every day. It's so ingrained into our culture that we don't even see it often. And that is what is scary. 
You see, I know that there are people who have misrepresented a view of have a misrepresented view of God and have exchanged the glory of God for an image. I know that. My fear is that there are people who wear East T-shirts who feel the same way. My fear is that often I do that. Instead of giving God the glory and God, recognizing God in creation, recognizing God through his word, which we'll talk about here in a second, and giving glory to him, I misrepresent all of that revelation and I begin to worship other things. Other things take precedence in my life. And if you're asking yourself, how can I know if, if that's me? Ask yourself this question. What does God most want from creation? If your answer has anything to do with your success, your popularity, or money, you got it wrong. If it has anything to do with your family, you got it wrong. If it has anything to do with your health, or your stuff, or your house, you got it wrong. If it has anything to do with Israel, you got it wrong. If it has anything to do with the great United States of America. You got it wrong. The ultimate aim of God, the ultimate aim of all of creation is the glory of God. And we can exchange it for a a thousand other things in our lives. And we try to. But that's wrong. And we do that because of sin, because of our sinful nature. God has clearly revealed himself even just through creation, yet we are not drawn to him. Oftentimes we are drawn in other directions. We need to know more about God. We need to, we need to recognize what creation is for. We need to see that the glory of God is the ultimate aim of creation, and we get that not necessarily through general revelation, but through what we call special revelation. If you're a note taker, write that down. Special revelation. We need to know his character. We need to know his desires. And this leads us to point number three, which is this. God is revealed through Scripture. I think we would all agree that what we see in creation is good. We see that there must be a God. There must be some force at work behind all of this. But what we see in Scripture is we begin to see more about who that God is. I read this week, or actually heard this week on a podcast, uh, somebody talking about um, uh, creation, general revelation, natural revelation shows us that God is. You see that? Shows us that God is, that God exists. However, special revelation in his word shows us who God is. That's important for us. We see his character. It's how we're going to know how we can love him and how we can follow him. In God's word, we see his original intent for mankind to be his image bearers. We see how he continues to show grace to man even when we blow it. And most importantly, we see how in the person of Christ that we can be made right with God through salvation. Apart from the knowledge that we see in the Bible, it would be hard or impossible to know these things. Paul says later uh, in God's word, he says this about special revelation and about God's word. Uh, Beginning in verse 13 of chapter 10. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. How then... Can they call on him? They have not believed in. That's a clear line of thought, right? How are you going to believe in something, or how are you going to call on someone that you don't yet believe in? And how can they believe without hearing about it? It's another good train of thought. 
And how can they hear without a preacher? Don't think preacher, just think messenger. And how can they preach or message unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? And listen to this last verse. So faith comes from what is heard. And what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Paul says that faith comes after hearing a message. I don't know everybody's testimony in the room, and if you have a unique one that's different from this, I'd love to hear it. But 99.99999% of the people I've interacted with have come to faith after hearing the message of Christ. Now, I've been immediately, maybe been wrestling with it and later making that decision. But it's the message of Christ that leads us to repentance. And where do we find the message of Christ? In God's Word. This book that you and I take for granted and don't read as often as we should, listen, contains the message and the power to save people from hell. And like, I just leave it laying around and I don't read it. Do you get it? It's a pretty big deal. Subpoint A. God's word is needed to understand the gospel. This is why Paul, before Paul gets into the wrath of God and this immortal creature, you know, immortal God and mortal man, all this stuff that we read at the very beginning, he begins that in verses 16 and 17. I didn't read it because I want to save it for now. Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it, the good news of Jesus, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. The gospel, the good news of Jesus, is the power of God for salvation. The very message held within these pages has the power to save. I tried to think of an analogy that, like, to help you understand that. I don't even get it. Like, the message itself is what you need to know, and it's also the power that supplies it. That's what Paul just said. But even if you've already... So, I, I, Paul's making it clear that God's word is needed to be saved. We cannot come to Christ apart from the message of Jesus. You may have heard it from someone's mouth and not read it in the Bible, but it's still the message that came from God's word. And it'd be quick for us to say, okay. Now, none of you would ever say this because this sounds stupid. The gospel is needed to save me. Got it. I've been baptized. I'm good to go. And sit the Bible aside. None of us would say that. But functionally, do we not do that? <laughs> functionally, are we not abandoning God's word and forgetting? Because here's, if that was all, if God's word was just to get us into the, into the, into the team, onto the team, you might could argue that now we, need, now we need David Platt to write books. Now we need Tony Evans to write books to help us know how to live. Well, we need all these godly men to come and write beautiful books and sell them at Lifeway for 20 bucks so that now we can know how we can follow Jesus. Because we need a guide. We need something. God's Word not only reveals how we can know God, it also reveals how we can grow after salvation. Subpoint B. God's Word is needed to grow in Christ. If you are a believer, God's word is just as important for you now as it was when you were lost. 
It contains not only the message of salvation, but also the message of sanctification. How is it that you're going to grow more into the image of Christ? Because you cannot grow in Christ apart from a better understanding of God's Word. Read, read books about healthy living. Read books about, about uh, uh, healthy habits. Those are good things. It's not going to make you like Jesus. That's self-help. God's Word has the transformative power to not only save you, but to continue to mold you into the image of Christ. And apart from this Word, we're just, we're just lipstick on a pig. Does that fit here? Okay, anyway, I don't know if it does. But that's what we're doing. We're, we're, we're trying to, anyway, 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17 When I say stuff that's not in my notes, it messes me up. All right. All Scripture, this is a verse you're going to get tired of hearing. We're going to read it at least three out of the next four weeks. All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. The Bible provides us knowledge of who God is, what He expects, and how He interacts in the world. All of this helps us as the believer know how to grow in Christ. I was a youth pastor for eight and a half years. And I got to a point where, um, uh, and it's still the same, I get frustrated with myself too. I get frustrated in youth ministry because I have teenagers just bawling after a youth service. They come to me and they'd say, Heath, I just, a bunch of different statements. You can fill in the blank. I'm going to give you a few of them. But Heath, I just, I don't know what God wants, I don't know what, I don't know what God wants me to do in my life. Or I don't know God's will for my life. Or I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I don't know what God, I don't know how to, I'm supposed to live as a believer. I've got these friends that do this, this, and this. And, and it's just, there, there's tons of things. There's all, and they just go through all this big, whatever it is, for every individual person. And my first question was always the same. It was, how often are you reading the Bible? Because the answer to all of your questions I'm not saying you still don't need to come talk to me. This isn't an answer of you come and talk to me. I'm going to say, go read your Bible and kick you out of my office. I don't do that, I hope. But that is a good place to begin, amen? Because all the answers you're wanting me to answer as your pastor, God has actually given them to you through his word. And I was trying to help them see that, that yes, if you're not in the Bible, you're going to be confused about whether you're a Christian or not, whether God loves you or not. But guess where the answer is found? It's in here. Yeah, you're going to be, if you're not in the Word, you're going to be confused about how to live for Him when you've got deadbeat friends that do God knows what and want you to come along. Guess where the answers are found? (laughs) All of the things that we wrestle with and all of the struggles that we have, most often the answer is first, I'm not saying it's the only answer, but the answer is first, go to the Bible. If you're not reading it and you're waiting for someone else to help to to answer that question for you, get in the Word first. Because it holds the power to save but also to sanctify. We know um, in 1 Thessalonians that the, the, the will of God for you is your sanctification, that you would become like Christ. And He's given us His Word to do it. Special revelation, revealing Himself in a special way. And we've got to stop as believers pretending that we don't need the Bible. And again, I know you'd never say that. But functionally, sometimes I, as your pastor, live as if I don't need this. Because it sits on my office desk, or it sits at home, and I don't read it as much as I should. And I'm the only one in the room, I'm sure. 
I would, we would never say that we don't need the Bible, but oftentimes, functionally, we live as if we don't. We need God to continue to grow us in the way that he has set up for you to grow is to read his word. Now, all of this, um, all this is pointing back to the idea that we started with, and, and, and please grasp I mean, that God's word is important. And, I mean, the general of all the, the terms, the little theological terms I gave you, you can forget those when you leave if you want. I don't care. But grasp the idea that God has not left you floundering. God has left no human on the earth floundering. He has revealed himself. He chose, church, he chose to reveal himself to us, to make himself known. The beauty of creation, and more specifically, the word of God, are part of God's plan to reveal himself to us. We don't deserve it, but every day God is doing it. What does Psalm 19 say? 19, 1 and 2. The, the heavens declare the glory of God. Day after day, night after night, they cry out. All over the world. That's what's going on. The glory of God. God revealing himself this way. And I'll argue that you're the Bible, wherever it sits in your house, every day, even when you don't read it, it's just crying out. Like it's just there. Just notice me. Look into me. Read me. Right? It, it's, it's calling out. The, the, the God of creation is revealing himself in my pages. Take a few minutes. Turn off the TV for a moment. Make your kids go in the other room for a bit. <laughs> Parents, all right? Wait till they go to bed. Whatever works. It's crying out. God is doing this every day. Today, if you've never trusted in Jesus, I need you to know this first. I love you. And I love you enough to tell you that God has made a way. God has made a way for you to be saved. Like, it's actually a clear way that you can repent of your sins. You can turn from the way that you're living and believe in Jesus as the only answer for your sin and that God will save you. I love you that much. But listen, more than I want you to know that I love you, I want you to know that, that God loves you. He loved you enough to reveal himself to you, not just generally through creation, but today through the sharing of his word. God brought you here today. Like we believe that we believe that God is all powerful and he you showed up today, so God got you here. And today you got to hear God's word opened up. So what I know is that God loved you enough so that you would hear it today. And today you can respond. If you've never trusted in him, I'll be down front during this last song to talk with you. We'll have counselors by the back door as well just to help you wrestle um, with how you can trust in Jesus. It's, it, we believe God's word is clear on how to do that. We'd love to help you with that. Well, today, um, if you've already accepted Jesus as Savior, know that God's revealed more about that than him, more than that about himself. Right? 
And I'm, I've been a Christian for 27 years. I've been trying to grow in Christ that whole time, and I'd be crazy if I, I'd be lying to you if I said it's just been this boop, 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 beautiful trajectory towards Christ-likeness. But what I do know is that if you have not yet not moved beyond, but if you're not, if you're not continuing to grow in your knowledge of the Word, you're being disobedient. Like you are. Maybe you can tell me a little bit about Noah because you colored some pictures at BBS when you were a kid. Or, but like God has revealed himself, y'all. He's told us his desires. He's told us his character. Like it's here. So today, if you've trusted, if you've already trusted in Jesus, and I have got that, I've got that done, Heath, then the gospel is not all that God wants you to know. It, it's, 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 it's the pool that we're all swimming in, but there's so much more in God's word that, that he wants you to learn. God's called us to pursue him through his word. Today, you can begin to set yourself up to grow in Christ by getting in his word regularly. Don't try to shoot for three hours tomorrow morning. It's unreasonable. It's like going on a diet, starting with a 13-day fast, when you like cake. Okay? It might work in the short term, but it ain't going to last. Find something that you can do tomorrow, this week. Get in God's Word more this week than you did yesterday or the last week. That's a step. And so today, as we sing this last song, beautiful old hymn, oldish hymn, I just, a few things. If you need to respond in faith, you need to come talk to us about, uh, about, uh, about salvation. I need to be saved. You can come do that. But also, as we had this morning, like if you just need to come and confess before the Lord at this altar, even right where you are, the, the images that you have bought into that are not the glory of God. This is the time for that. Because lunch is waiting somewhere. And you're going to get distracted. Satan wants you to think about lunch. God wants you to think about repentance. Turning from the images in your life, whatever it is, laying those at the feet and calling out to the glory of God. Um, or if you're like me, and for whatever reason, this passage, if y'all haven't noticed it yet, the idea of God revealing himself overwhelms me. Like, I just want to worship. I just want to sing and glorify God because he has chosen to make himself known to this poor wretched sinner. And that's a beautiful thing. I'm going to say a word of prayer. You respond however God leads you to. The altar will be open. Bring your needs or others. And I'll be here. We'll have counselors by the back door as well. Let's pray. Father, we thank you guys so much. That God, you uh, you have um, God. I don't think any of us, if if we were given a chance to be God for a day, would make the decisions that you have. Uh, but God, it's why you're God and we're not. Um, God, I thank you. God, you you made the decision from before the foundations of the world to reveal yourself through creation. God, so that all those will be able to know that there is a God. But God, I'm so thankful for your word that you've given us, God, that helps me to know you. God, helps me to know your, your character, your desires, your, your, your plan for me. God, I pray that today 
that, God, we would begin to live our lives different here at Lindsay Lane East. And, God, that the people here and, God, me as your pa- as the pastor here, God, that, that we would not be known as a people who are seeking any other image than you and that the glory of God is our ultimate aim. God, help us today to make whatever decision we need to to get our life back on track, to repent of the things we need to repent of and call out the, the things we need to call out. And, God, may we turn um, to you and live for you this week. God, I pray that you do this time of response, God, and help us uh, to deal with whatever we need to deal with. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, you guys stand. You can sing, respond, however you feel led to.